self-esteem is a big thing in our culture, isn't it? Um, people thinking that they're not important, other people strutting around thinking they're more important than they really are, and we have, we have extremes on that end. But biblically, and, and for the Christian in our worldview, the question is not <clears throat> how well or how poorly you esteem yourself. The question is, why don't you let somebody else evaluate and estimate your value and your worth? Who are you to estimate your own worth? So we let God estimate our worth, right? And how much value did God place on you when he sent Jesus to suffer and die on the cross? That's a lot of value. His very own son he sent from heaven. So that's all set as far as how much you are esteemed and valued. So, but I want us to think about today, how do we think about ourselves? How do you go along in life and think about yourself? We can think about ourselves according to the culture and try to pull ourselves up with some esteem, overestimate ourselves. We can underestimate ourselves, feel sorry for ourselves. Pity party, anybody know about that? So we do all those things, but a lot of them aren't necessary. Because I want us to think about, we're going to look at Romans 12. And basically, the idea today is going to be, uh, think about yourself in light of God's grace. Think about yourself in light of God's grace. Uh, we often think about ourselves and I'm this or that, or I've got this talent, or... I'm good-looking, or whatever it might be. And we give ourselves the credit for those things that we didn't have anything to do with, mostly, you know. Uh, whatever is built into you and your personality, you didn't cause it yourself or pick it out or make yourself be who you, what you are and who you are. So uh, it's all a gift from God. Your very existence that you are here right now is a gift from God. So we want to think about ourselves in light of God's grace. So I want us to look at Romans 12, and I'm going to look at the first six verses or so, and uh, thinking about how do we think about ourselves. I want to <clears throat> give you a picture first of all, then I'll read the passage. When, I, when my son, Daniel, was just little, five or six, he was getting bigger, and, you know, I, one day I kind of got down on his level, and I said, okay, you're so tough, take me on, you know. And we were going to wrestle around, you know. So the first thing he does is launches himself out and grabs a hold of me, and I grab him, and he's up in the air, his feet are dangling, and he says, I got you. <laughs> I think he overestimated himself there. 
And we do have that, we do have that uh, tendency, don't we? So how do we think about ourselves is part of what this passage is about, Romans 12. And this first part is very familiar. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, many of you probably have uh, memorized that. I know I memorized that years ago. But the next part is really interesting because if you just memorize that section uh, and, and sort of it's floating out there without its context, that which is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect can be, well, what, what on earth could that be? You know, but I think the rest of the chapter tells you what that is. So it's not a mystery. And he goes on, page uh, verse three. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And then he goes through these seven spiritual gifts. So let's think about this, and I want to mention... Uh, three ways that we can think about ourselves in light of God's grace. Think about myself, view myself through the lens of God's mercy, God's grace, God's gifts. Uh, and that's what he's uh, emphasizing here. He says, you're a living sacrifice so that you can get yourself out of the way and do what God wants you to do. Live your life through that truth and through his strength and power and do His will. For through the grace given to me, every, the context of the whole thing is the grace. And He says, given to me. So it's a rather personal statement. And we remember Paul had his great transformation on the road to Damascus. And God lifted him up out of his own Jewish pharisaical pride into being one of his apostles. Um, so, in a sense, when we think of the grace given to me, to Paul, we think of that great transformation. And, and Paul always gave God the credit to say, he had mercy on me, he came to me, his grace met me, and I was totally changed. Uh, and he was humble about it. Um, so that's the context, not only for Paul, but for all of us, to think about myself in terms of God's grace. So, first of all, think about yourself with humility in light of God's grace, with humility. Um, he sets this up, 
through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. That's interesting, isn't it? Everyone among you. Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Why, was he, why would he say everyone among you? Well, probably because we all have this same problem. We tend sometimes to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And usually because that's where we're estimating our worth compared to someone else. I'm better than that person at least. And we, sometimes we choose the worst person we can find so that we can, at least I'm better than the bum on the street, you know. But that's, that's how we do it. We do it on that human level if we're not careful. And this is very subtle, isn't it? Have you ever found yourself going along, strutting along in your mind, thinking how cool you are, and you realize, oh my goodness, how prideful of me. Or looking down upon somebody and, because comparing their weaknesses to your strengths and those kinds of You know, we, we tend to do this, so we have to be careful and think of ourselves uh, in a humble way because everything I have is because of God's grace. Through the grace given to me, I say to you. Uh, I want to go back to and put this a little bit in context over here. This is, this is chapter 12 is the next chapter right after that famous set of passages, Romans 9 through 11 which can be controversial sometimes. But I want to I read some of uh, chapter 11, starting in verse 30. And this is my view of Romans 9 through 11. That is, there's a particular verse here that's the key to interpreting all of 9 through 11. But verse 30 says of, of chapter 11, For just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. You, the Gentiles, them, the Greek, the uh, excuse me, the the Jews, because of their disobedience. So these also now have been disobedient. That is the Jewish people. That because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. And this verse, the next verse, uh, is the key, I think. For God has shut up all, whether you're Jew or Gentile or whatever you are, in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. Um, that's a key verse in my view. And then he breaks out after that key verse. He breaks out into a praise. Look what, how God does it. He didn't do it like we do. He didn't look down on the Jewish people because they didn't understand the time of their visitation from their very God. And look, we Gentiles, we have accepted it. We understand. None of that is God's way of doing things, to look down on someone, to exalt someone, to exalt myself. But God works it all out to have grace and mercy upon everybody. So that's why he breaks out into this, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. He brings everything together. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who become who became his counselor? Who has first given to him that he might be paid back to him again? It's God's plan. And aren't we grateful for that? He shut us all up into disobedience so that, why? He might have mercy on all. For from him and through him, not any individual or, or group of people, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now that'll help you with placing yourself in the proper perspective, won't it? Is it all about me? No, it's all about him. But when we're born and we grow up and we, we just have that natural pull and draw to make the world all about me. But it's not. So then he goes into, therefore... Because of these great things, out of this praise, look at God's plan. Therefore, by the mercies of God that he's just explained, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And um, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So we think of ourselves with humility because everything's from God. Everything's about God. Everything that I have and you know that we have more than we even know, than we even realize? That's why Paul said, set your mind on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's where your life is. He is your life. Some incredible statements there in Colossians. So I identify not with myself and I'm from here. I'm, I was born in Louisiana. Big deal. We're all from somewhere. We have a name that means something. But our identity is not in all those things and anything else I can drum up and put on my Vita. Look at this. <laughs> but it's in Christ. That's my identity. So I think of myself <clears throat> with humility. I ask myself, am I important? And the answer is, Yes, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, which includes me. But it's also no. Why? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. So, I remember, uh, you know, back in the Middle Ages when I was a young man, Churches had this thing called a choir. You, you young people ever seen or heard of a choir? Anyway, we had choir. It was often pretty bad, as you know, but sometimes it was good. But we had a choir. I was in, uh, in the choir in our church in Portland, Oregon, and we were doing this uh, uh, Christmas special thing like a cantata, you know, with several numbers. So the, uh, the director gave us all uh, a tape, or some of us, I didn't get one, but a lot of them got tapes so they could practice at home of the music, you know. 
So this one lady, we were talking about how this was special and important. We want to pray for the performance and so forth. So, and that one lady that was in the choir shared, and she said, you know what? I turned my tape on, and it broke. And I couldn't practice. And I think that the devil broke my tape. And I was thinking to myself, but you're not that good a singer. <laughs> we often, as I said, overestimate our importance if we're not careful. And can I back up that from the Bible? Oh, wait a minute, yeah. What does it say right here? I tell you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Everyone. So we have to be careful, don't we? Because our natural self-interest, human nature is to exalt ourselves. Remember when Jesus told the story of the, he was observing the people at the banquet and they were all maneuvering to get into the best spots, the spots of honor. And he said, even if you logic this out, people, it makes more sense. Even if you're ambitious, it makes more sense to start at the lowly place. And then if somebody says, no, don't sit way down here with the lowly, come up, brother. Then you are exalted in the front of everybody. So on purpose, take the lowly place. Be humble. Not only does it acknowledge God and his grace and put me in the right frame of mind and perspective about reality, but it's smarter. So we want to avoid being too prideful. And it can be very subtle. So how do we do that? Um, Think about yourself according to humility. And then also... Think about yourself in light of God's grace so that you think about yourself realistically. What does he say here? Um, Don't think more too highly of yourself, more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, to line things up with reality. Because in our overestimation of ourselves, we're kind of living in a fantasy world, aren't we? And it's easy for somebody to come and prick that little fantasy bubble and then our self-esteem goes from going this way to down, you know. Have you ever been there? Anybody ever prick your bubble? And all of a sudden, everything you had built up, the fantasy city of your greatness fell to nothing because of one little word, one little look, one little... So we want to get rid of all that and let our worth be estimated by God, like we said, give uh, because of his grace to us. So we want to think realistically. One of the uh, translations says soberly. It's as if in our pride it's easy for us to get drunk on our own exaltation of ourselves or kind of a madness you know, that we have because of our human nature again. So he's warning 
think about yourself realistically with sound judgment. And he's going to tell the reason why. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So we want to think realistically. We want to get the God view of my importance. Which means I can free myself of trying to exalt myself. I can free myself of comparing myself with other people. I don't have to do any of that. Because realistically, what God tells me about me is the truth. Not what I tell me about me, or even what other people tell me, or how they uh, want to you know, push me down so that they can feel exalted. That's very human, isn't it? Am I missing the mark here, or is that very human? Anybody ever been in junior high? Etc. Yeah, this is, this is the way it is. So we want to think realistically. I'm always fascinated going up in the plane and getting up to a certain level between when you're way up there in the clouds and you, know, you can barely see the ground and when you first lift off. There's that area there where, look, it's a tiny little toy truck. It's going on the highway. It's going very, very slowly. It's just a completely different perspective, isn't it? So we want to raise our perspective by letting God estimate our worth, which leads us back to the cross and Christ seated at the right hand of God over and over and over. And we train ourselves to do that, to have sound judgment, to think soberly, to think in a balanced way, to line our thoughts up with reality which is part of reality is, again, from him, through him, and to him are all things. So to think with sound judgment uh, and not to think like Daniel, which was very cute. I got you. With his feet dangling, you know. Is there anything that you've ever done that you could take all the glory for yourself? Or was it God, grace, and somebody else's help? That's realistic, isn't it? That's sound judgment. So we want to think with humility about ourselves realistically. And then also, finally, by faith. By faith. It says, uh, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as, so as to have sound judgment as God. God is going to define things, has allotted his plan to each a measure of faith. And that measure of faith he's going to go on and talk about is the giftedness that he gives you so that you can be a gift to other people. So God's plan for you is not to be exalted, but to be a blessing to somebody else. So the whole exaltation project, I can just set it aside, and I'm free from it. PTL? That means praise the Lord. I don't have to be under the burden of that thing of building myself up. 
Because in God's economy, I am gifted and a gift. And I want to find out what that's about. So I think of myself by faith, trusting God's plan, trusting that God has gifted me, as he's going to say. Just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Exercise those gifts. And if you're busy doing that for the blessing and benefit of somebody else, you don't have time to exalt yourself in your fantasy world of pride, right? Hopefully. So, thinking of myself by faith means trusting God. He's allotted the gifts. He, it's His plan. He's defining who I am according to my giftedness and being a gift to the other people, to the church, to my fellow Christians. So you younger people, you might be thinking, well, what's my gift? I don't, I'm not really sure. But, and it, sometimes that takes time. To, to discover, to work out? And do you think if you ask God to help you to walk along that path of what He's given you in your life to contribute to the church, that He would lead you? Since it's His plan? I think He would. In the meantime, in the meantime, if you're not sure about your own giftedness, you could certainly do number one and number two. You could certainly begin working on those, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. And to think realistically so as to have sound judgment. And let God develop His grace gifts in you as you go step by step walking with Him on this journey. Because He will show you. It's His allotment. It's his plan. So if I'm thinking about myself by faith, I'm thinking about everything I have is a gift from God, even me and anything I have to offer. It's God's plan that I'm involved in, not my own. So I don't think about myself, I'm better than him because I'm more ambitious or I'm more spiritual or I'm more... All of that's out of the out of the way. I don't have, I'm free from all that. And therefore, my identity and who defines who I am is also from God. He's allotted each a special place in the body. Each one. There's nobody left out. Some things we get rid of, out of the body, right? If it doesn't make you too uncomfortable, like earwax, <laughs> and gas, and other things like that. Get rid of those things. But no member of the body do we want to lose. Not my pinky, not my little toe, nothing. I want to keep it all. It's all important. And so we're all important to the body of Christ, and he's the head. So I can think about myself in terms of humility, thankful for God's grace, 
through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, says Paul, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought, with humility. Think realistically. Your proper place is not to compare yourself to others, but to compare yourself to God, right? And to remember his great mercy. By the mercies of God, give yourselves as a living sacrifice. God is merciful. Remember the, uh, who was more realistic in the, in the parable told by Jesus about the very religious man? Oh, Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like that guy. I pay my tithes and I do this and that. And what's the other guy? He's way back at the back. He wouldn't even lift his eyes, beating his breast. Who's more realistic? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's called sound judgment. That's when we sing. Amazing grace. Because we realize the overwhelming grace of God is what defines me. Not my own estimation of myself. And then, by faith. So, it reminds me of the story of Mephibosheth. Can you say that? Mephibosheth. I can say it. Uh, and he was this guy who was crippled in both legs because his nurse dropped him when they heard about Saul's death. And she was scared and running and she dropped him. Well, there's a, there's a lesson for you child care workers, right? <laughs> and so he, he got hurt when he was just a little child and he was, he was crippled. But he was the son of, of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul, the king. And so David had defeated all his enemies and he's sitting around in his palace. He says, does anybody know of a relative of Saul that I can have mercy on in God's grace? He says, God's grace. For the sake of my friend Jonathan, who was a great friend. And so they said, yeah, there's Mephibosheth over here. He's still around. So he calls in Mephibosheth. He comes and prostrates himself. He's crippled. Pathetic figure. And David says, I'm going to give you all your lands back that Saul owned and you're going to sit at my table, the king's table with the king's sons and eat. Live in Jerusalem. Now why did David do that? Because of God's grace, he said, but also because he loved Jonathan. And that's why God has grace upon us, too. Because of Jesus. Jonathan was a worthy, honorable, courageous, loyal man. 
Christ is our exalted Messiah, Lord and Savior. And because of Him, we are lifted up. Not because of us. Not because I, I'm worthy, but because of Him. So Mephibosheth got to sit at the table of the king all that time. So we, we have the same privilege to walk around saying, not like Mephibosheth who said, I'm the son of Jonathan, the king loved Jonathan, but I am the servant of Jesus. I'm the child of God. Well, that's what defines my worth. So I can let God define me. Instead of trying, like the little, um, what are those little mammals that run in the cages? And little gerbil, yeah, gerbil. And they keep on going around and around and around and around and around. And around. Some people live like that. Pursuing nonsense and trying to exalt themselves, it's worthless. So don't be a gerbil. Be a son or daughter of God, brother or sister of Jesus. Let's close with a prayer. Lord, we thank you for your mercy, for your grace that we don't deserve. For your amazing grace to us. Thank you that because of Christ, who is our life, we will share in His glory. What a privilege that is. Not only are we sanctified, but we are going to be glorified. Lord, we don't deserve any of it, but we give you all the glory and thanks. Help us, Lord, to live out of that gratitude to live by faith, to be a blessing to others. According to sound judgment, realistically, like the man had, who said, have mercy on me, a sinner, and humbly before you. Thank you that we have the privilege to know you, to be in your presence. And Lord, that you've taken up residence even within us. What a grace upon grace that you've given us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.